Truck Stops, the Pac-12 Basketball Podcast. I'm Carlos. Joining me is Computer Breaker and Nether Calonizer, Avery at Brave Grapes. I didn't break anything. <laughs> and Greg Nothing at the Animorphs. I, I didn't break my computer shirt is asking a lot of questions already <laughs> answered by my shirt. Uh, Greg, is I mean, Grapes, is it true that you turned off a computer by turning off the breaker? Okay, I... I was told not to hit the power button on this PC because it would break everything. So I didn't hit the power button. But during the day, I had to install a ring doorbell and there's not a breaker for that doorbell. So I had to do the whole breaker. And apparently that's the same as hitting the power button. And I didn't know that, but it's okay. Actually, this is not p- my PC either, so I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a little I worse mean, than breaking the than pressing the power button, actually. But I mean, who cares? Oh, well, your he, computer. I don't Fine. know. He has a surge protector. I don't understand how it would break it. I feel like that's that's true. Um, poorly done. <laughs> that's like how if it can destroy everything. Like, what if the power goes out? Are you just fucked? I don't know. Yeah, you got to get a battery backup. Anyway, uh, um, how are, how are you doing, Greg? Finally, you're back been busy uh beginning of the semester I, I i just have a lot of reading to do and so it's taking up most of my time but i've still been able to watch most of the games and that's Good. that's important that's the most important thing not uh going to school and getting your getting that's, your degree d- degrees are useless uh <laughs> back 12 basketball is forever oh <laughs> uh, yes that's true we had uh, an extremely eventful weekend in pac 12 basketball we'll talk about of course ucla arizona we'll talk about how usc and arizona state fared this weekend and a big big weekend for both of them we'll discuss uh how the pac 12 basketball landscape is looking but first, we're back to begging for five-star reviews. You've only gotten one in the past week, actually. People need to step it up. Uh, but this one is from uh, Cassian4567. He writes, You guys are awesome. If you're an intersectional left politics having Pac-12 sicko, this is the podcast for you. Also, I would appreciate some coverage of UW Twitter account at Jim Scott 6050241 He could be a troll or he could be real, but either way, he's amazing. Thank you, Cassian, for that. I did go and look up this Twitter account and pulled a uh, a few select tweets here. Uh, just a note that these tweets are all in all caps, so I'm going to read them as the author intended. Uh, one tweet reads, I thought Twitter was only on the smartphones, but my grandkids informed me that you could use it on computer. My old hands and old eyes can't see the tiny screen on the phone. Thank you, God, for computers. Uh, he also says Great tweet. <laughs> he also tweets logging off for the day. Excited to be a part of this site. And then the last tweet that I uh, that I pulled from here, Mariners. That's it. Real. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess go check out that account. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a random ass account, but it's fine. It's a Huskies fan and a Mariners fan, I suppose. Anyway, uh, so there's there's Jim. Go follow Jim. Also, another plea to sign up for our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. Matt and Reed continue to drop postmortems of every Pac-12 football team. We also do occasional episodes when a bunch of news hits that we want to discuss. And on our Patreon, we're also doing reviews of each episode of The Last of Us, a show on HBO Max that's adapted from the iconic video game. Greg, are you uh, are you watching The Last of Us? I am not watching The Last of Us. However, I did just start What We Do in the Shadows, and I have to say that show is really good. Okay, What We Isn't Do in the Shadows. Isn't that on like, T- Apple TV or some shit, though? What We Do in the Shadows? Yeah, what is it on? It's on Hulu. Oh, it is? 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it was originally on FX. I'm not sure. Oh, I've heard that's, that's good. I'll have that's to watch I'm watching that. It. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, good. Another recommendation. Maybe we'll do a Patreon episode on that. Who knows? Uh, anyway, so let's just get a, get over the nonsense. Enough messing around. Let's get to Pac-12 hoops. And let's start with a recap of all that went down in the league this weekend. I wrote this recap, but I'm making Avery read the oh. words that I wrote for myself. <laughs> Oh my so, gosh, uh, I haven't even read it through. <laughs> no, just Perfect. read it through for the first time now. Just every word is an adventure. Go ahead. <laughs> it's like not going to be my voice at all. All right, enough messing around. Let's get to Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I just start said, with my, my favorite part of this is I just read that. So <laughs> <laughs> Great start. Uh, not only you, had you not wait, read wait, this wait, through, wait, you weren't you weren't listening. Why did you why did you read the beginning of the recap and then kick it to me? Because I, I read the recap for you. Sorry, uh, I I have ADHD. I'm so sorry. Starting with Arizona's home stand against the LA schools, the Wildcats went two zero against both UCLA and USC, easily taking care of the Trojans before winning a knife fight in the deepest depths of the mud, fifty eight to fifty two. USC went one and one in that trip with a big blowout win over ASU, leaving ASU winless in their home stand against the LA schools, despite a spirited effort against UCLA a couple days prior. Also around the league, Utah cemented itself as capital C competent basketball program, sweeping both Wazoo and UW in two very comfortable wins. Utah is now a number forty-five. Is now a is now up to forty-five in Kempom as of recording. <laughs> Oregon had its tournament hopes grounded into dust by Spencer Jones, Harrison Ingram, and the hot shooting Stanford Cardinal. Also, the worst game in Pac-12 happened with Oregon State and Cal meeting up. Was that today? That was, that was today, today. Right? I did not yeah. watch it. Um, Oregon State beat the Golden Bears in Berkeley by 20 points, 68 to 48, as the Oregon schools both beat Cal and both lose to Stanford. Not bad. That was, that's can surprising. We, can we, I don't, wait, are we talking about Oregon later? Yeah, we, um, we can, uh, I don't think we I are. I just Let's wanted talk. to read that tweet on, no. who who tweeted that on No Truck Stops? Someone asked us to explain Oregon basketball. <laughs> yeah, read I don't the have tweet. it pulled up. Sorry, I was not prepared. I was reading a read cap. Oh, here I got it. I got it pulled up. Uh, Someone, yeah, uh, our homie Jack Rosenfeld at JM Rosenfeld uh, tweeted, can someone from at No Truck Stops Pod please explain to me Oregon basketball? And we tweeted, you ever had that 23-year-old relative that's been a firefighter, worked on a boat in Alaska, been a barista, a chef, and has also been arrested before? Question mark. That was the uh, tweet we were, that was the tweet you were talking about. That made me laugh. (laughs) uh yeah that's oregon right now (laughs) just like what are you doing dude (laughs) um but uh yeah we 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 aren't going to talk about oregon because i i frankly think they're irrelevant now that they're not even uh they're not in contention for the tournament they're playing uh horribly vacillated with and playing really really well so i'm not i've oregon has officially gone off my radar Uh, i say that as they're gonna about to go on a 10 game winning streak i don't think that's possible but who knows uh with dana altman anyway uh, thank you for reading my recap, uh, Avery. Much appreciated. Let's start with UCLA, Arizona. Uh, that was the game we had waited for all season yet again. Uh, and I don't think it disappointed. This game was a rock fight, a mud fight, a knife fight, a street fight, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, they scored 110 combined points, both these teams. They both scored under one point per possession. But in the end, Arizona prevails 58 to 52. Grapes, uh, I think you got to watch this one. What were your uh, reactions to this game as it was unfolding? I did. I put down the Switch and stopped playing Minecraft long <laughs> enough to play this game. I watched this game. Um, 
I thought this is not how I expected expected Arizona to win. This is like the least least uh, likely way I saw Arizona winning this game simply because I feel like they're the best when they're scoring a lot. They have their really fast tempo and like their shooters are actually shooting well. And none of that happened. It was a really low scoring game. It was especially really low scoring in the first half. And I think my favorite part of the game is when Arizona like was leading the entire second half, but like the last two minutes they decided to like give it to UCLA and somehow UCLA just couldn't come up with it. I thought that was actually hilarious. No, it was like the worst two minutes of basketball I've ever watched in my life. Like I honestly think after that two minutes, UCLA deserved to win just because (laughs) of how embarrassing that was for Arizona. (laughs) It was embarrassing. Greg, what did you think of this game? I came away from this game thinking that these are two very evenly matched teams. Even while mm. even while Arizona was up by 10 and it didn't look like UCLA was going to be able to come back. Uh, just because, man, UCLA could not go on runs the entire game. It felt like Arizona went out plus 10 in the second half and they just held UCLA at arm's length until the very end with that collapse like uh, you mentioned, Avery. But... Uh, I can't remember where I saw the stat, but I think somebody said on UCLA Twitter that uh, UCLA's shot quality score uh, basically had them as a seventy gave them a seventy percent post game win expectancy. Uh, like they were getting good shots against Arizona, and they just were missing. They just kept missing, uh, and you could definitely see that when you were watching the game, and that was glaring. It was. That and then UCLA's inability to defend the interior that defined the game for me. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a tale of two halves, uh, to use an old cliche. It felt like in the first half, uh, UCLA's defense was playing the best it had all season. That was the best defensive stretch, I think, all year. Arizona was getting absolutely nothing easy. I mean, UCLA, to Arizona's credit, was also getting nothing easy and never really did get many easy shots. You're, you're talking about, you you, know, you kind of talked about getting some good looks, and they, they certainly did, but uh, Arizona was also, Arizona's defense just played out of mm-hmm. their minds, I think. Uh, I think they really, really wanted this one, energized by the crowd, too. Uh, UCLA's, uh, offense though, I think is, uh, it was not, it was just, it was not hitting open shots. They shot horribly. They shot 31% from the field. You're just not going to win very many games when you shoot 31% from the field. Um, on top of the fact that they couldn't hit shots that were available to them. I also thought they weren't really getting many good shots either. Uh, they were, it felt like Arizona was making everything uncomfortable. As soon as they got anything within like 10 feet of the rim, they were forcing UCLA into, into, I think way too many three pointers. It felt like UCLA was settling a couple of times. I also thought though that UCLA was, uh, was, uh, for the first time in a while, I felt like UCLA was a little overwhelmed by the physicality of the game. I mean, this game was like brutal. It was like, they were bumping each other to the point where I kind of thought the refs, they they have, they were all over this game. I don't think they knew how to officiate this game uh, because UCLA and Arizona were both, oh man, they were putting their hands on each other. They were pushing each other for almost the entirety of these 40 minutes. And it felt like UCLA didn't know how to get comfortable playing in that kind of game, which is weird because that's exactly the kind of way that they want to play. Um, it sort of felt like... Jaime Jaquez and, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, Tiger Campbell and Jalen Clark all just 
kind of got a little too tight on the interior when they were able to drive and get some of those looks. Jalen Clark is really, he's going through a rough stretch right now, uh, but in this game looked not great offensively, especially when it comes to scoring. Obviously he's a great defender, had a really big game defensively, but yeah, it was uh it was weird to watch UCLA's offense struggle that way, but yeah, I think gotta also give some credit to Arizona. We haven't seen like that kind of defense from Arizona at all this season months at yeah. least it feels yeah. like it's been like at least six weeks since they've had like any life in their defense so I, d- I didn't think i would see it this season i thought they would really rely on playing fast and scoring a lot of points to win games for the rest of the year so kudos to them yeah uh for figuring that shit yeah. out they they made ucla uncomfortable um and ucla is uh you know that that shot quality tweet was also a response to, i think jason Shear posting the shot charts of this game uh I, they very much highlight the different ways that ucla and arizona like to play like arizona's like you know very analytics forward team they are going to do all they can to get the ball on the inside and get easy looks from, you know, within five feet of the basket. Uh, and if they're not doing that, then they're going to take a bunch of threes. UCLA, on the other hand, they are, they are very happy to take a bunch of two-point jumpers. They have guys who can hit those jumpers. Um, they'll take a few threes. They'll obviously try to get the ball inside, but they're happy to to let Jaime Hawkes or Tiger, uh, Tiger Campbell, even David Singleton a little bit this year, sort of get those mid-range jumpers, but they were not falling for them, uh, both open and contested. A lot of it, again, I think had to do with Arizona's physicality. I think, you know, when UCLA's opponent misses field goals, I think people tend to say, well, UCLA got lucky, and UCLA fans tend to say, well, it's because UCLA plays so physical. I kind of think something similar happened against Arizona, where Arizona's physicality just really took UCLA out of their comfort zone. And, you know, I think the story should be UCLA's offense slash Arizona's defense. That's where this game was sort of won. But I also was, uh, you know... I, I was also troubled by UCLA's defense from, I don't know, the 18 minute mark in the second half to like the four to three minute mark uh, towards the end of the game. Arizona came out of the half with some really nice adjustments. I'm not sure. Did you see anything, Greg, that made you think, I don't know, the UCLA's second half defense was falling apart or was it Arizona making nice adjustments that got them better shots? I, I, I don't know what it was, because I, I, I agree with you that in the second half, it did look much easier. I'm not sure exactly what happened, though. It just seemed like they kept playing their game, and maybe what UCLA was doing in the first half was a little unsustainable. Like, Adembona has absolutely improved uh, from where he was at the beginning of the season, but this game also highlighted a lot of where, like, he still has he still has a ways to go to being... Um, the player that you know he can be that we want him to be because it felt like Arizona was able to get him out uh oh how do I say this uh it felt like Arizona was able to put him in positions where he wasn't comfortable or just put him in really hard positions to defend and UCLA didn't have the size to to deal with it like when Azulis Tabellis there was a play uh he got the ball off of a screen uh he was coming into the lane Adembona has to bite in on him, but in order to do that, he has to leave Umar Balo, and Umar Balo was wide open for an alley-oop, which Tubelis hit him on. Uh, and it was just things like that. It was a lot of Arizona's movement just giving UCLA hell uh, on the inside. And I'm not exactly sure uh, what changed from first half to second half with that, but that was that was the difference, I think. Yeah. 
and I and I sort of think it's like uh, it's illustrative of the size difference between these two teams. Uh, Adem Bona is UCLA center. He's like six nine, probably. He's super lengthy. I mean, he's he's got very long arms. He's he and he's super athletic, but he's uh, he's a tad shorter than Umar Balo and Azula Sabellas, Both of them. After that, UCLA doesn't have much size, right? They're playing Jaime Hawkins at the four. Um, you know, Kenny Nuba's coming off the bench. He had four fouls in the first half. Uh, that basically, Adem Bono went out with two fouls. Mick Cronin in the first half sticks Kenny Nuba out there and says, "Hey, buddy, you're just gonna have to play physical and get uh and and take the fouls as they come." And he ended up with four fouls at the end of the half. So I think they had a hard time maybe stopping Arizona in the um in in the first half and we're just fouling a lot uh Mm -hmm. you know that is certainly a thing i think ucla is playing much more physical on the interior i also think arizona was trying to get uh was doing some stuff to try to get um better looks from the interior i mean that's the problem it's like when you have to play arizona it's like yeah omar balo can sort of keep an eye on azula stabellas but then you know the 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 nice thing about having another center is that if you if you can stretch a Dembona out to 15 feet from the basket, 10 to 15 feet, you've got Umar Balo down there, and I don't think anyone is big enough to be able to handle him. So it was a it was a tough game for UCLA defensively. A Dembona does did kind of have a a rough game for as many I don't know for as poorly of a situation he was he was put in to deal with. I I thought that he was making he does that thing where he just overreacts to a bunch of shots and is uh, really trying to go for blocks and at, at times where maybe he shouldn't and he should be a little bit more grounded and uh, playing position ball. But, you know, uh, at, at some point, it's like Arizona's size is just overwhelming. They have two seven-footers that they stick out there at all times, and it hurts UCLA. UCLA mm-hmm. does not play big. Um, they're not a big team. This was such an electric game to watch. This is probably, like, one of my favorite games I've watched all year. The second half wasn't as fun, but, like, the dogfight in the first half was really, really fun. Yeah, yeah. This, was, this was fun in a way that uh, UCLA-Arizona games weren't last year. Mm-hmm. I think those ones were a little bit more, what's the word? I don't know, pacey. Like, Arizona, I think they played more of Arizona's game in those games uh, last year than they did in this one. Like, I think those ones were higher scoring, but I think this was just as fun, just in a different way. The way both teams I thought were really good defensively, albeit UCLA had their breakdowns, which led to them losing, but still overall a good defensive game. No, it was a it was a a super fun game. I feel like the the the, the tension had been. I mean, this has been true for you know the past what, including this one, the past four UCLA Arizona games with. Uh, ever since Tommy Lloyd took over at Arizona, it's it, the tension was palpable uh, mm-hmm. in the building and among the players. Like the players were, uh, there was the, the takeaway from this game should not be. I hope no one takes away from this game that either UCLA or Arizona players were not up for this game. They were extremely yes. up. Uh, this was when I say they were physical. Like this is the most physical game I've seen from either of these two teams all season by by a, by a huge margin. They wanted it, um, and the crowd, like the crowd, had like nervous. You know, it's like watching a game seven of an NBA Finals. Like I don't know if you've ever watched those on TV, but like it has that palpable sort of like you, the the nervous energy from the crowd seeps through on television, and it, that's what it felt like. It was McHale Center was crazy. It was a, a, a an insane environment. So 
I really, it makes me really want to go to a McHale Center game, especially when it's like <laughs> like that, right? Like that's really, really, really hard to deal with. And anytime you shatter a 14 game winning streak, that's just yeah, so fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Arizona had Arizona had this sort of like they were the ones who had a bit of a chip on their shoulder, a lot to prove. They were the underdogs. They had come in going two of two of their over the la- two and two over the last four entering the weekend. They had lost two of three. So a sort of a kind of <laughs> and UCLA was on a 14 game win streak. UCLA was favored by five points coming into this game. They were favored by Kempom. Kempom had given UCLA like a 70% chance to win this game in Tucson. So, you know, Arizona had a lot of stuff to figure out and people did not quite trust Arizona and and now here they are. Do you does this make you think differently about Arizona, UCLA? Do you, would you would you put Arizona above UCLA now in the pecking order because for the past couple of weeks we were all I think we were all convinced that UCLA was clearly the number one and Arizona was clearly the number two, but does this change your perception? Ready, I'm not ready to say that this wasn't just a really bad shooting night for UCLA. Like, I think Arizona definitely forced them to take harder shots or not have as many good shots, but it really feels like it could go either way. So I'm not ready you? to switch it up. What about you, Greg? I am... Oh, I'm conflicted. I, 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 in a vacuum, I think UCLA is a better team. Like, if they're not playing each other, I think UCLA finishes higher in the standings. You know, as we've seen, UCLA is still higher in the standings because they haven't lost to the bad teams in the conference. Or I shouldn't say bad teams, but the worst teams, the not top tier teams in the conference, uh, whereas Arizona has. However, I just think it's a bad matchup for UCLA. So, like, these two teams in a winner-take-all game in Vegas uh, in March, uh, I'll pro- like right now I lean towards taking Arizona, even if UCLA should have won that game if they'd shot better. The way that second half looked, I just I don't trust Adembona. I don't trust uh, Kenny Nuba to deal with uh, to deal with Arizona's size. Yeah, I'm 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 I sort of am on the same boat around thinking. UCLA might be the better team. Uh, they might have the better season. They will. I th- they will certainly have the better record. But Arizona may just have a a, a pretty stark mass matchup advantage. You know, it's just teams that have. You know, we see this all the time in basketball. It's like it's it's less about which team is better top to bottom, but sometimes you just run into a bad matchup. And I think there's some real concern that Arizona is just a bad matchup for UCLA, um, given their size, the fact that they like to roll out two bigs there the fact that ucla does not have very many bigs it can throw right like kenny nuba i mean he's he's improved this year but he is not someone that you want to have as your number two big coming off the bench um especially not against that team especially against yeah azulis tabellis and marbalo uh mac etienne i don't know maybe but he's gotten very you know a few minutes this season and He's done well in those minutes, but it's still unproven. And then Adem Bona, you're sort of again. I mean, we talked about this at coming into this year. Like that's going to be the the major weakness for this UCLA team is what they do at center. Um, and they 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 have to play the be- two best bigs in the Pac-12. Like Umar Balhun and Julius Tavellis might be one and two or one and four or something like that. Um, it's ridiculous. And it, so it, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a there's a world in which. Arizona sweeps UCLA, but UCLA, I don't know, is the best team in the Pac-12 still. <laughs> yeah. So, 
we'll see. Uh, it's going to be fun. The next game is Saturday, March 4th. That game is going to be in Poly Pavilion. I'm going to go to that game. Uh, Ooh, my fun. Yeah, my wife is a, actually a Warriors fan. Mm. And so we are going to watch the Warriors-Lakers on Sunday. So and on Saturday, we're going to UCLA, Arizona. So insane. That worked out insane. well. Very nice. I know. Yeah. Insane sports weekend. Anyway, so that's UCLA, Arizona. UCLA gets its first conference loss of the season. They they are at eight and one now. Arizona, on the other hand, improves to seventeen and three on the season, six and three in conference play. We'll see how the rest of the season shakes out. It's going to be. I hope both of these teams are are winning most of their games heading into the last game of the season. I I, I could use another game like this with a ton of tension and build up mm. over the course of you know four, five, six weeks even. Okay. Uh, let's real quick here talk about the other incredibly fun game involving UCLA. UCLA beat Arizona State earlier in the weekend, 74-62. to 62. Did either of you get to watch this one? Yes. Uh, this one, I thought, was... It was, it was really a lot of fun. I did not know that ASU had that kind of juice. Uh, <laughs> the environment was a lot of fun. Oh, man. Like, I didn't know they had that in them. Uh <laughs> I, I enjoyed that so much. It's, you know, it never felt super sustainable during the game. Like, I was always pretty sure that UCLA was going to pull it out because, like, there's no way that ASU is just going to keep hitting these shots. But while they were hitting them, it was it was just a, a wild ride. Very fun to watch. Uh, and it, it raised my opinion of ASU in that moment, only for them to remind me why I was a little <laughs> low on them by losing to USC later. <laughs> Grapes, did you get to watch this one, by the way? No, this was definitely on in the background. Um, I feel like my biggest takeaway, I know we're going to talk about Arizona State USC next, but my biggest takeaway from this week is like, I'm finally happy that ASU kind of like got squashed as being something they're not. I don't know. <laughs> There's still hype around them because obviously um, UCLA and USC are two of like, I don't know, the top three teams in the conference probably. So losing to them isn't like the worst thing in the world, but I don't know. There's just been this narrative going around that Arizona state could beat anyone on any day. And I'm glad that's dead. <laughs> I, you know what? I, uh, you're right. I was on the same boat as Greg and thinking after this game, I was like, Arizona state might be for real. Like that was a tough game that they played against UCLA. UCLA was just sort of like, all right, let's just dump it off to Jaime Hawkes and let him work after him going cold for like mm-hmm. 38 minutes, not, not 38 minutes because he was sitting out for most of the first half because Mick Cronin, uh, hates playing guys with two fouls. But, um, you know, he was sort of not having a good game in the minutes that he was playing and did not look good. Wasn't hitting shots. Everything was just not working for him. It was a bad, bad night. And then in the last four minutes, he was like, I'm going to turn it on. Before then, Arizona State looked like they were going to actually pull this off. Um, they were they were up 55 to 50 with 952 in the second half. The win probability there for Arizona State at that point was 64, 65%. Um, and UCLA ended up pulling away slowly, uh, killing UC- ASU's chances. It was a 12-point win for UCLA, but... Frankly, this was not a 12-point game by any means. Uh, it really felt like Arizona State. Arizona State's defense, extremely good. Um, really impressive stuff from them defensively. 
I was uh, really surprised by how good their defense was. And offensively, it was sort of one of those nights where they were just hitting, hitting those crazy Arizona State shots. DJ Horn had like a couple of insane shots that just had no business going in. Desmond Cambridge had a couple of those insane shots. Austin Nunez, which like, where did he come from? I'm not even <laughs> sure Austin Nunez was getting many minutes before this UCLA game. It was absurd. Um Anyway, so he came in and had a really big game uh, in the minutes that he got. So uh, it was a spirited effort from US ASU. I was, I was like you, Greg, convinced that okay, Arizona State might be a problem. Like they might be, uh, oh, really, really good. They're super athletic. They're one of the mm-hmm. ath- most athletic teams in the Pac-12. It's weird saying this, but Arizona State looks and probably is more athletic than UCLA is. But you know, when you sort of rely on jump shots like that in a way that aren't schemed well. And we don't have, we have a bunch of super streaky players. It's, it's not super sustainable. So, but, uh, grapes, you missed out. You're probably watching this in the background and you, uh, meaning you watched it on mute, but desert financial arena, uh, where Arizona state plays off the fucking hook. You would have been proud of their student section. It was like, I think it was the largest student section ever recorded in history for ASU basketball. Wow. Arizona state student section goes crazy for basketball. Yeah, and it's because I mean, they have a funny gimmick that everybody wants to be a part of and see the curtain of distraction, even though it's like kind of played out and probably doesn't do that much anymore. I don't know. I'm going to get yelled at by Arizona State fans. I know they have their <laughs> stats about free throw percentage with the curtain of distraction, but I feel like it's gotten to the point where teams can probably prepare for it a little bit better now, but it's still a fun gimmick and it gets people to go to games. So I think that's really awesome. That was a big part of it. But but yeah, I mean, it was... um. It was an insane, an insane environment. I was like, "What was the free throw percentage for UCLA?" Um, Obviously, it's only when they're on that that half of the court. I don't know which half it was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It was seventy six percent. So the free throw percentage wasn't uh, wasn't uh, didn't take a huge hit. Um, but either way, I mean, it was still fun to watch, and I, I think it was who was that? I think it was watching with my brother or something, and he was like, "What the fuck are they doing there in the back?" I was like, "Buddy, that's the curtain of distraction, the famed." curtain of distraction yeah, how do you not know what that is i, I feel mean, like that's not a college bo- basketball fan okay no but idea. i feel like every college basketball fan should know what that is even if like you're not a pac-12 fan i feel like mm-hmm. that's got to be like one of the most famous uh student section things yeah a tradition yeah tradition sure. anyway tough uh tough weekend for arizona state let's move on to that one real quick uh usc hammered asu on saturday night after asu had just availed themselves quite well against UCLA. The score of that game was 77 to 69 for USC over the Sun Devils. Nice. But uh <laughs> nice. I missed that. Thank you. Uh but uh USC was actually up big for all of but the final 2 to 3 minutes. Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson combined for 37 points and they also got a really nice debut from true freshman Vincent Iwachuku. Uh he contributed 12 points and 5 rebounds. Uh did y'all did y'all watch this game? Can't I was unable to watch the uh, Saturday night games, unfortunately, okay. so I did not catch this. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I, the most impressive thing about this... Do you, did you watch this, Grapes? I can't remember. No. Okay, so I'm the, <laughs> that's fine. I'm going to watch this. I think um, this game was uh, uh, very boring. Y'all didn't miss anything. I think the only thing that was very exciting about this is that true, uh, Vincent Iwachuku is uh, really, really good. He's like seven... <laughs> He's massive. Uh, what I think is, he's what, seven one. Seven one. Uh, that sounds about right. He is 
a massive basketball player. He's super tall, super lengthy. He was a five-star recruit. He was the twenty. He was the number twenty-five recruit coming out of the twenty twenty-two class. The uh, sixth center in that class. A massive player. Um, he's also just like uh, he's he's he impacted the game despite this being his second game all season. Um, y'all didn't watch the broadcast, so you did. You didn't hear it come up like fifty times reasonably so um but vincent iwachuku is the player who had a, who suffered cardiac arrest i think this summer um and had to you know you don't know about this greg i, I knew heard he about had a this. heart issue i didn't know it was cardiac arrest yeah yeah it was yeah he suffered cardiac arrest in the God summer damn. and so yeah so after six months of rehab and all this uh, all the medical stuff he comes in and has a massive impact on this game 12 points and five rebounds for a kid playing his second game and and usc needing those to to sort of look as impressive they did really scary stuff um you know i'm sort of like i'm watching usc ucla and usc play next week we'll uh, get to picking that game but i i don't know if if vincent uchuku is going to play at that level and also get more minutes it's uh, USC might be a real problem. Like this completely, I think changes the dynamic mm-hmm. and complexion of their team. It's, it sort of feels like it's, it's Evan Mobley again. Like if they've got an Evan Mobley down there, let's, I, I, I would feel very different about USC. So it's going to be mean, really interesting. We, we don't have to compare him to Evan Mobley, who is like the best freshman in the pac 12 and I don't even in know how long. Quite some like, time, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember what he did. He was like defensive player of the year and some other award that had never been won play. together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we don't have to That's call fair. him Evan Mobley, but he doesn't need to be Evan Mobley. Uh, he just needs to be like he. <laughs> you don't have to be Evan Mobley to be a good big. And that's what you see USC is needed there. Uh, we talked about it early in the season how that that lack of lack of a big at all honestly was was a big problem for them and if he's filling that hole usc absolutely i think jump jumps up significant significantly uh in my eyes yeah it's gonna be interesting um so we'll see how usc does against ucla they nearly beat ucla and poly pavilion they give them a galen center this week uh next up here utah swept the washington schools uh, Utah easily, I think, handily beat both UW and Wazoo by a combined 39 points. Some incredible home shooting from our Utah Moose. They shot above 30% from three in both games. Uh, Grapes, did you uh, get to watch? You watched one of these games, I think. Yeah, I was like very interested. We talked about this last week, but like what Washington State's potential of making the NCAA tournament was. So I was definitely like locked in. And obviously, this loss to Utah, I think it doesn't seal it but like they're they're not making the tournament i feel like pretty confident that they're not so i i propose that we adjust that narrative and make it about utah and utah (laughs) is now our dark horse for the ncaa tournament they got done with the they got done they needed to get done this week like well by a lot (laughs) so really really impressive weekend yeah they they desperately needed to beat both of these teams, it helps their case a lot to beat both of them handily um, without any problem. Greg, did you get to watch uh, either of these games? Did not get to watch the Utah UW game. However, I did get to watch Utah Wazoo. And man, Brandon Carlson 
It's like <laughs> he's just Fantastic. so good. So good. <laughs> he's just so good. Uh even in a game where Muhammad Gay, I thought he played pretty well, at least offensively, uh, had to play 38, uh, not 38, 35 minutes. I'm looking at that now. Uh, Wazoo just doesn't have, I think they have a lot of the same problems that Utah has. I just don't think they can defend like Utah can defend, and that's the big difference. Uh, that's something that Utah has that is there every week, and it's something that makes Utah a legitimate uh, dark horse for the tournament, like you were saying, Avery, is they will defend every single week, and that makes them very difficult to beat. Uh, no matter who you are, uh, I guess unless you're UCLA, then you'll beat the shit out of them. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, they didn't have Brandon Carlson in that game. To be and that's true. That is UCLA's true. UCLA's offense did struggle in that one. But um, I was impressed. the offense. I do sorry, think. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> the offense. I do think is going to continue to be an issue. Like, I think we know exactly what Utah is at this moment, and they are a team that will beat every bad team, but they will struggle to beat the good ones unless they shoot abnormally well just because they don't have the horses offensively. Where were you going to say, Grapes? I was going to say that usually when Brandon Carlson is on Utah's bench, things get really bad really quickly, and it's very apparent. And I felt like in both of these games, especially from like the little I saw in the Washington game, it wasn't the case. Like obviously it was worse when Brandon Carlson was on the bench, but the bench looked fine. Like honestly, okay, which I think is enough and makes me very hopeful. Yeah, it was um I'm looking at the plus minus here or the box plus minus stats on sports reference. Uh who the hell is Luca Tarlac? He's a uh, freshman. I have no idea who that is. Um <laughs> He he was the uh, let me let me look at this here. Maybe it was just garbage time stuff that they were throwing him out there. Uh, he was yeah, he a doesn't plus play nine, a lot. He was plus nineteen. He had nine minutes in this in the Washington game, but I mean maybe it was just because it was garbage time. But yeah. still, uh, plus nineteen is pretty good. In nine minutes, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, this was uh, <laughs> Utah shot the lights out. Uh, Gabe Matson in particular had a really uh, hot weekend. I think he went. What were his final lines? He went. Three for six from three against Washington on Sunday, and then against Washington State, he went. He went some other ridiculous thing. I always have a hard time getting through these. He went four for eight from three, so fifty percent from three off fourteen shots this weekend. That'll that'll help a lot. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. helps Brandon Carlson, who is there is Utah's only reliable source of offense. Um, you know, I you know Marco Anthony has had his moments, and Raleigh Wooster has had his moments. Uh, but they really need Brandon Carlson to get going, and and uh, they did a they did a really good job of making sure he was fed. Uh, he had 28 points off of I think an absurd shooting line. Yeah, 11 for 12 shooting uh, against Wazoo, and then again against Washington, Brandon Carlson finished with 25 points off 10 for 17 shooting. Um, so I, I don't know. That's that's good that he's healthy and he's around. It sucks that he missed the UCLA game. Sort of felt like I, I don't know that game could have been. Mm-hmm. Much more interesting. Brandon Carlson were in it. Um, but to your point, Greg and Avery, I think the the defense here is the story for Utah. Frankly, Utah might have the second best defense in the Pac-12. Um, and that is really impressive because they have, I don't know, the second or third least talented roster in the league. Yeah. This is not a talented roster. No, and no, for them to not. be for them to be defending as well as they are. That's on. It's unbelievable. Like I don't know that we're we're not we don't talk about this enough because I think Utah just you know they haven't really had a, a sort of eye opening streak quite yet. 
But for them to be defending at this level with what they have, that's uh, that's ridiculous. I, I don't know how I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, and people really need to be sort of looking at what Craig Smith is doing right now. With I mean, it's like who would you say is a good defender? It's like Marco Anthony Carlson. Yeah, maybe uh, and Marco that's Anthony. Of his size. Yeah. Marco and Marco Anthony is like not a ta- like he doesn't. It's not like he's super athletic. Um, he's kind of slow he's like uh i think he's just smart like yeah that that's what utah's got is they're all very well coached they all know where to be they all do their jobs and when you've got a seven footer in brown and carlson in the middle it makes everything easier but that's the thing that sticks out with utah is they're just so well coached they uh offensively i think they make mistakes but defensively they don't and it's uh it's something we haven't had at utah in a very long time (laughs) yeah it's interesting um so good weekend from utah they are 45th in ken palm right now i want to look at some of their uh ken palm numbers are 45th in ken palm they are they have the number 91 offense per in the in adjusted offensive efficiency per ken palm but the number 27 defense uh they're fourth in the country at opponents effective field goal percentage which is uh really really impressive stuff so i hope so they've got a really critical stretch here coming up and these next, I don't know, week, two weeks, they got to play at the Oregon schools. They'll play Oregon State and at Oregon. They desperately need, I, I don't know if they desperately need to sweep those. I'm, I'm actually, I'll just say, I think they need to sweep those games in order to become a tournament team. Uh, they need to exercise these crazy Dana Altman demons. Um, they need to beat an Oregon team that is reeling, that is not looking good right now, that has not been consistent all year. Tough task because Oregon is super talented but they're not Oregon owns Utah and Oregon owns Utah but like they've they've got to do it um and then after that they get a nice uh stretch where they play three games at home they play Stanford and Cal those are automatic wins shouldn't worry about them and then Colorado at home uh another sort of game that's going to matter a little bit for the metrics Colorado's not threatening for anything but that's I don't know quad two win you should get that and then they got a brutal stretch to sort of close up the season and at Arizona, at Arizona State, home against UCLA, home against USC, and then at Colorado. So these next five games for Utah are really, they got to really beef up their record so that they can withhold, withstand, you know, uh, a tough stretch late in February. Uh, do y'all think they make the tournament in the end? If you had to pick? No. Greg, you're shaking your head no. Yeah, I, um, the offense, I don't think. They're, ju- they're just going to lose a few games. And my, you like, can't my, get in with only 20. My immediate immediate reaction is no just because like they really have to rely on brandon carlson to stay healthy but he already had his appendix taken out last year so he can't get (laughs) he can't get appendicitis again which in my opinion is a good thing and makes their tournament hopes very very improved yeah (laughs) good point (laughs) he does not have another appendix to take out you know a lot a lot of players have reoccurring injuries uh Brandon Carlson's biggest injury, <laughs> appendicitis, impossible to reoccur. So, <laughs> uh, good point. Good point. Um, okay, that's it for the weekend. Any other games or uh, notes to make of these games before we get on to the rest of this? All right, let's move on to talk about MVPs. Uh, Greg, who wins MVP for the week this year? This uh, you? To me, it's, it's this pretty year. easy. This week for, uh, you. <laughs> uh, for this week, it is Brandon Carlson. 28 points against Washington State, 25 points against Washington, and two big wins. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not too complicated for me. Grapes, do you have an MVP, uh, someone that you're 
Yeah, my MVP, my MVP is Brandon Carlson. Okay. It, it seems like the most obvious choice. Yeah, I think that's that's completely fair. Yeah, I think Brandon Carlson had a big weekend. Uh, he'll go under the radar just because of the other games that were happening this weekend. I think Omar Ballo probably deserves mm. a little bit of a shout-out. Uh, did not have, like, super crazy lines. Good lines, but not anything insane. 16 points, 8 rebounds, an assist, 2 steals, 2 blocks against UCLA. And then um, against USC, he had, I think he also had 16 points. Now I got to go back and look at the box scores. It's always hard to do this. Uh, he had, no, he had 12 points off five for 10 shooting, seven boards, a steal, a block. Um, but really, his game against UCLA is what, what catapulted him there for me. So good, good for him. Courtney Ramey also, uh, I don't know if I'd say MVP, but. He had two really, really good games against USC and UCLA. Um, mm-hmm. They desperately needed guard play, especially after Pella Larson. They sent him to the bench because of him being a little underwhelming. And Courtney Ramey comes in, hits some timely critical shots, yeah. gets 16 points, uh, I think, in both games. So good for them. All right, let's move on to our next uh, quick segment here. Let's talk some shit at the what I am now calling the Nasty Nook, formerly known as the Humiliation Hub, also formerly known as the Shame Shack, also formerly known as the Disgrace Desk. Is this one going to stick? What about the Shit Shack? Hmm, is that not just a bathroom? Come I think with, it's fitting. Come up with an idea for next week, Greg. This is the bit. We have to have a new one every week, and next week you're in charge. <laughs> Greg, do you accept this assignment? Oh, oh, oh uh, yes. See, <laughs> I... Shouldn't do this, but I kind of want to <laughs> hey. because I want to point out a few tweets. Uh, Joey, uh, whose name last name I can't remember, uh, who is he's Palomares? been on this podcast, huh? Yes, 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 Joey Palomares, yes, him. <laughs> um, <laughs> he he had some tweets about uh, Arizona State's weekend. Uh, while their pre- their 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 performance against UCLA was impressive, I do think they deserve a mention for how detrimental that USC loss was. Uh, you know, that one could, that one puts them back on the bubble. And uh, as Joey said, that one was them shitting the bed, which I thought was, you know, a fitting performance to go here, even if they're probably not the worst team of the week. Pretty, pretty good. Grapes, you got a, you got a nasty nook. The candidate. answer is Oregon. Oregon wins this segment. Congratulations, Oregon. You get a trophy yeah. made out of, um, what is the name of the segment? This is nasty nook, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, shit this. works. <laughs> um, your own shit against Stanford. That was really bad. You guys had like solid tournament chances. You could have proved us wrong. Instead, you proved me right, and I will continue to be a hater. They went one and one, but they lost Stanford. Stanford's so bad. Yeah, Oregon. Uh, Oregon is a really, really good candidate. They going one and one when your opponents are Stanford and Cal is not good, actually. No. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, um, they they deserve uh, they deserve all the all the shame. This is not embarrassing for for them to have as much talent as they do. They should not be this bad. Uh, this is the biggest underachieving. This is the worst job in all of the Pac-12 in terms of uh, the 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 quality of of the play from these players in this team. Um, Dana Altman, the, the Dana Altman era has to look inward. Uh, you can't have guys like Infali Dante, Will Richardson, Keyshawn Bartholomew, Quincy Guerriere, Kalel Ware. Like they have so much talent, and to be mm-hmm. this bad, man, I am. Uh, I, 
Oregon fans should, should really be looking at the Dana Alban era and being like, is this is this going the way we want it to? Is this going to keep going like this? Uh, things have things have fallen off for Oregon right now. I'll throw in. Uh, I know that they sort of are the this this segment should be named after them. I'll throw in Cal though. They did go zero and two. The problem is they went zero and two against Oregon, which. Oregon is way more talented than them, but we just mm-hmm. talked about how they kind of suck. And they got blown the fuck out Busted. by by Oregon State. Holy shit. They lost by 20, 20 to Oregon State. Oregon State itself, a very, very, very bad team that, you know, they're still trying to learn their way. But man, Cal, uh, we, we thought they were going to be competitive and interesting, but uh, it just turns out that they were... <laughs> Uh, that they they're just flat out bad at this point. They don't they there's once again nothing redeemable about this team. They actually didn't shoot poorly. They didn't turn the ball over a ton. They just uh uh they just didn't do anything well. How many generally. wins do they have? Three. They've got three. Do we think, think they're getting another shame. one? I think it's a shame that they have the same number of wins that Oregon State did last year. Yeah, because they I plus. I personally think that they are much worse. Yes. Yeah, I would take, they don't have the uh, locker room imploding issue. I don't think they're doing that it all on Oregon their own. State had, but they're just so bad that they're like <laughs> replicating that experience. Yeah, I bet oh. they have some locker room implosion happening. Like, how There's do you, no how are you this bad without like <laughs> hating each fights? other? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure uh, they just hate each other so much. Yeah, I think that's. Do we think they're getting another one? They are the the game well, that they, they have Oregon the, State again, right? They do, but they play in Corvallis, mm. and they just got and their asses kicked in 20. Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They might steal one. Who did they lose? Who did they beat again? Uh, they Oregon. beaten UT Arlington, and then beat Colorado and Stanford. Oh, it was Colorado and Stanford. Uh, they could they be Stanford again. Stanford. Yeah, they could be Stanford. But uh, Kempom, that's the next game, so they play next week. Kempom gives Cal a sixteen percent chance to beat Stanford. Uh, the game that. Per Kempom, that Cal has the best chance in is actually at home against Washington. They have a 34% chance against uh, against the Huskies at home. People are going to be so mad at us. We talk about Washington the least. Yeah, they get off. They really, they really get a, a, a light, <laughs> buddy. They get they get they get off really really nicely I on this goddamn exist. show. It's like having twelve children. I'm not going to remember the ones that are like just middling. You know, I don't. <laughs> that's terrible. I'm not going to have twelve children. <laughs> but it's like I can't talk about everybody and like they're bad, but like they're enough in the middle that it doesn't matter. They're bad and they're boring. Like yeah. Like Cal yeah, is terrible, but they're terrible. <laughs> like a car crash is terrible, whereas Washington like, is terrible. Like a flat tire is terrible. Yeah, we no, know like, what Cal terrible, is doing. Terrible in the way that like getting an upset stomach is terrible. <laughs> you just, just rather don't not really think about it. Just don't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah they. Uh, I don't know if you all know this, but Washington has four conference wins. Did you know that? It feels like they have none, but they have four. They're four and six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just completely in the yeah, middle. They're just, they're, yeah. they're ranked higher than Stanford, right? I don't know. Yeah. Stanford just beat Oregon, so they might have. They're technically in Kempom. Kempom has Stanford higher than Washington. What is right Stanford's now. conference record? Uh, Stanford's conference. What is Stanford's conference record? They are two and seven, with two wins oh, just coming this weekend. Wow. Both their wins okay. came this weekend. They feel with- like the same teams to me. 
<laughs> yeah, that's although mean. Stanford, I feel like, had higher expectations coming in. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Greg picked him to go to the... We don't have to talk about that. Uh, don't worry about it. Let's see. What's what's next on the agenda? Um, here's, here's the crazy thing. Stanford uh, swept... With this weekend, swept Colorado. They went two and zero against Colorado. Um, that is uh, humiliating. I feel like Colorado might deserve some, but they did just beat Washington State in a thriller. So I don't. I guess they're getting light too. But they Colorado looked like they were going to be a problem, and then and then they very quickly were not. So yeah, good good picks for uh, Nasty Nook. Washington definitely deserves a mention. They are an automatic win for several teams. Anyway. Uh, let's move on to some game predictions. All right, Greg, I hope you were prepared. First, how about an update on what is weekly winners? I am prepared. Nice. Our winners this week went six out of 12. Uh, oh, my. Tough Erica weekend. and Rumble and Buffalo. It was by far the worst week as a group with an average of 3.75 out of 12. Wow. Uh, That's the new bad. season low was Cam, who nearly went 0-12, but much like Colorado, he got one. Uh, <laughs> the best picks were KG picking Oregon to go 1-1. One one. He was the only one to do that. Erica had USC and UW going 1-1, one one, the only person to do that. And Rumble and Buffalo had Wazoo 0-2, only one to do that. Nobody on the sheet, or possibly Earth, according to Chad, uh, picked Stanford to go 2-0 or ASU to go 0-2. And, <laughs> and the easiest pick was Oregon State splitting the NorCal teams. Good. I keep update. forgetting to fill it out, so don't be like me. It's free. Don't, Go don't click like the link either. on Patreon. It's on Patreon, but like you can click on it. It's free to everyone. So go fill it our, out. How about our guy, Benjamin Burrow at Rumblin' Buffalo? Again, a bad week for him, and he still finished the top of the, yeah, top of the week. Yeah, he's doing a great job. That's incredible. I right. like this is skill, honestly. I'm like way more <laughs> impressed by picking the basketball games than football. <laughs> yeah. But KG, KG does well with both. KG, KG is actually just a god. Yeah. <laughs> good good point. All right, uh, I'm going to be straight with y'all uh this this week impactful basketball. It's a dog shit week. Uh it's it's bad. It's not a good slate. But I do have three games for us to pick. First one, the easily the best game of the slate by a mile. UCLA is traveling 9 miles south to the Galen Center to play USC on ESPN2. UCLA per Kempom are 6 point road favorites. Greg who wins who covers. With Vince I can't remember his last name. Iwachuku. Iwachuku. Uh, it does complicate things, especially as we've seen. UCLA struggled to deal with bigs. I'll take UCLA to win, but it's going to be closer than six points. Grapes? Yeah, they don't have the size of Arizona, though. That's so true. It's, I don't, it's not I don't think it's going to be too bad, but I, I think that UCLA will cover. I oh man, uh, am I am I allowed to do this? What are you gonna do? Oh, kinda, you're doing a bad vibe. Vibes are bad for me on this one. I think <laughs> USC's gonna win this one. Um, UCLA uh, coming off a really physical game. Now it's not like they're gonna get like have to play tomorrow or something, but they are coming off kind of a, a big game uh they're gonna have to go to usc usc nearly took down ucla last time these two played 
and USC added a five-star center. So I'm sort of thinking USC is going to win this one. Um, I think it's going to send UCLA in a bit of a like soul-searching moment themselves. And uh, we'll see if it sort of allows them to correct. But I, I've got USC winning this one. Um, what are the what are the rankings right now? Like, how far ahead is UCLA than USC? Like in Ken Palm or in the conference standings? In the conference standings. In the conference standings, UCLA is number one at eight and one. Everyone else is chasing second. I think USC is tied for second with um, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona oh, okay. State at six and three. Actually, Utah's oh, okay. at seven and three. Technically, Utah's number two in the conference, but that's because they played one extra game. Yeah, so it won't shake up the standings that much if USC wins. UCLA will still be comfortably ahead. Yeah, although, you know, it would still, I don't know. I mean, you got to imagine UCLA is probably losing another one. I mean, or maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so we're split on that one. Second game, Arizona is traveling to Pullman to play Wazoo in a big revenge game. The Wildcats are three-point road favorites. Scrapes, who wins, who covers? You know what? I think that Arizona learned how to play defense. I think okay. that Tommy Lloyd figured out what whatever was going on that just like prevented them from being able to play on that side of the ball. So I think this will be fine. I think people are like expecting an upset because Washington State already beat them. I think that Arizona will comfortably win this one. Greg? I also think Arizona's going to win comfortably. I think they're going to be angry in this one. Uh, they got embarrassed in the last one, lost at home for the first time in a very long time. Uh, and I think they'll want to return the favor. I'm in the same boat. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to comfortably cover this one. Wazoo reeling a bit themselves. I think Arizona's, they, they might have found something here. So let's, let's see. Maybe Wazoo's blueprint is going to work again. Last up, Utah is going to get its own revenge game and chance to exercise some old demons as we talked about. The Utah run-in moose will play Oregon in Eugene on the Pac-12 networks. The moose are three-point road dogs. Greg, who wins who covers? I am not going to make the mistake I made last time again. That was extremely stupid of me. <laughs> Utah does not beat Oregon. So, yeah, I'm taking Oregon to winning cover. Grapes? Yeah. Dana Allman owns Utah. I will believe it when I see it. I mm. think Oregon's going to win in cover, too. Uh, I always... I, maybe I just have too much faith in Utah. I think you do. Sort of, you do. I, always. Always yeah. do. Uh, I, I just feel like they they had a really good weekend. They may have found something. They get Oregon State before this, so it's not like they have to, I don't know, extend themselves too much. Uh, I'm going to pick... Now that you said that, they're going to lose to Oregon State. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm picking... Uh, I'm picking Utah. I think I'm going to pick Utah to win this game. I know maybe it's bad. I sort of feel like they are figuring something out, and they, they desperately need this. Oregon is reeling right now. They are not doing anything well. So I'm going to I'm gonna pick Utah. Why not? Uh, okay, that's it. That's our show. If you're looking for football content, go over to NoTruckStuffs.com. Otherwise, keep talking hoops with us. Why not? It's, it's basketball season officially. We're here until April talking Pac-12 hoops. That's Avery. That's Greg. I'm Carlos. Thank you for listening to us talk ball. And remember, there are no truck stops here. The doc says there are not ruck stops here. Real. <laughs> I am now joined with by Brad Malone of the Bear Down Bias podcast. Brad was on last year to talk about Arizona when UCLA and Arizona were on collision courses, much like they are now. They just had one collision. They're on course for a second collision 
Uh, and this is the morning after, the afternoon after Arizona beat UCLA in at the McHale Center. I think the final score is 58 to 54. I forgot to pull that up uh, ahead of me. Hey, Brad, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Good, Carlos. I'm feeling pretty good after yesterday. That was a great game. It was kind of a more of a slugfest than I expected, um, but I was happy that we found a way to win um, playing UCLA's game, even though UCLA didn't. Uh, have their best shooting game. Um, I still felt pretty good about it, especially how we had been struggling the last couple of weeks, you know, losing to Wazoo uh, and then losing to Oregon. We got decimated by Oregon. Uh, but one thing that might've made a big difference is Balo is fully healthy. Now he'd been really sick and that was one thing that hadn't really come out. Um, but who knows? We'll see, you know, we'll see next week if they lay an egg. Uh, when they go to the Washington school. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your expectations coming into this one. Because at, at the time that this game happened, UCLA was on a 16-game winning streak, I think. Arizona was, uh, you know, before the weekend had started, there was two of the, had lost two of their last three, came in two and two over their last four, and people were starting to wonder, like, what's going on with Arizona here? What were your expectations coming into this game? And uh, did this game, you know, change anything for how you think about either Arizona or UCLA? Uh, I guess I feel a little bit better about Arizona now, but I still think UCLA is the favorite. I mean, they have a two-game lead um, almost at the halfway point, and they're a good team. I mean, they I watched them against ASU, and, you know, ASU, it was kind of funny because ASU stuck with them. Uh, that was probably the biggest game for ASU in decades, to be honest, because uh, if they had won that game, they would have – they would have been, you know, in the driver's seat for the conference. And UCLA just kind of played with them until about three minutes left. And they just flipped the switch and said, okay, guys, uh, we're sick of this. This is stupid. We're, it's over. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think the last couple of weeks in Tucson, there's been a lot of panic because Arizona fans just don't, they didn't know what happened. And Arizona, yeah, we started off really well. But then uh, – they would lose games by, I think, I think our average loss and our average point differential in a loss is like 15 or something, which is really crazy. You think about it. Um, but they also have great wins. You know, they have wins over Tennessee. Uh, now they have a win against UCLA. They beat San Diego state. Um, so I guess, uh, I still think UCLA is the favorite. Uh, but I, I think, I think it's still going to be really tough to gain two games on UCLA, especially having to win at Pauly at the end of the year. Um, but I don't know. I might kind of just blabbed on there for a minute. I don't know if that really answered your question. No, no, that was good. You know, it made, it makes me wonder what, what do you think changed between when Arizona entered this weekend? They were, you know, one and two over their last three games, two really, stunning blowouts uh and then they come in and sweep the la schools maybe you know two of the three or four best teams in the pac-12 coming into this weekend what do you think changed was it just a, a matter of umar balo getting over his you know i think it was like a stomach illness or something or or a flu or or was or were there other things going on that you think contributed to arizona having a bit of a rest- well against usc tommy lloyd had decided he was going to switch up the starting lineup a little bit he started Cedric Henderson Jr. instead of Pell Larson. Pell Larson now came off the bench, who last year Pell Larson was sixth man of the year. And the last few weeks, uh, and Pell is not the only one to blame. Arizona's guards haven't really played that well. Courtney Ramey 
uh, up to this weekend, he during the regular season of the Pac-12, it's, it's just not really played that great offensively. Uh, against USC and UCLA, he hit timely threes, threes that he wasn't hitting. Um, or if he did hit them, he would struggle. Like against Oregon, he came out on fire, but then uh, it was kind of uh, – you know, hot and cold in that one. And then Kirk Kreese, Kirk Kreese is the, the one that, that really a lot of fans in Arizona, we, we can't figure out Kirk Kreese. We love Kirk Kreese, <laughs> but um, sometimes we just want Kirk Kreese to be quiet and play. <laughs> um, we love his enthusiasm. We love his, uh, even, even his trash talk at times is fun, but you know, you got to back it up. And if, if you're losing games, just got to be quiet and just take it. And um, even though he didn't play extremely well yesterday offensively, he did hit a couple threes. Um, He did a good job of running the offense. Um, There were some times that there were some turnovers that I know we were pulling our hair out early. Um, But, and then another guy, Colin Boswell has, has really progressed uh, more than I think we expected, especially early on. Um, And even though he didn't play a lot yesterday, he was in at the end of the game and he was, he, uh, he really, he's 17 years old. He came to Arizona with an injury. That's the reason he came. He skipped his senior year because he, he wanted to have the facilities to um, rehab whatever his injury was in a, in a, in a better facility. So then when he came here, um, you know, I think, we weren't expecting too much, you know, in a way we were like, yeah, he's a five star, you know, it's going to be great. But we knew that Tommy Lloyd warned us. He's like, this kid's 17 years old. Um, you know, even when he had a good game against Washington a couple weeks ago, he, he said, it's only one game. Don't get your hopes up too much. And then last week after the Oregon loss, some people in the Tucson media were saying, you know, maybe start Boswell. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's still, still really early in his careers. But, um, if he can do what he did yesterday and come off the bench and, and, and put in great minutes, I feel really good because with Balo and Tubelis, I, I feel like we have two of the best big men in the country. Uh, and Tubelis in the second half turned it on yesterday. The first half he was really struggling. It was kind of like uh, how he looked in the Houston game last year in the tournament. Um, but he stayed patient, hit some timely buckets. Uh, and I think he's the front runner for – Pac-12 player of the year, but I am biased. You know, I am Arizona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so one of the things that's come out of this game, uh, the UCLA-Arizona game in particular, you know, there's a lot of jaw back and forth. You know, it's a rivalry. It's one of the best rivalries in college basketball. It's the best rivalry on the West Coast. And so, of course, you have fan bases kind of jawing back and forth, and you've got beat reporters jawing back and forth. One of the main sorts of discourses that have come up after this game is that you know, UCLA fans are sort of like, well, you know, UCLA missed a lot of open shots. Uh, you know, this is just how, how it always happens, right? Arizona fans are sort of like, well, we missed a bunch of open shots too. What were you seeing in this game? Uh, I, you know, I have I have uh, my thoughts and opinions about how this game went, but I'm curious how you thought this game went. When did Arizona win this game? When did it look like, okay, Arizona's going to, uh, Arizona has an advantage here. Like, w- at what point did that happen? And why do you think that, uh, that Arizona ended up playing? Well, in the second half, they built a, a, a pretty large lead. I mean, a large lead for that kind of game, <laughs> uh, 10, 11 points. In those kind of games, it, I mean, a 10-point lead feels like a 20-point lead because you're not the, – the shot clock is, you know, being 
used up the entire uh, duration. Uh, but then Jay Billis had mentioned something in the game where he was saying, that, you know, Umar Balo, he wasn't even going out to guard their fifth guy. He was just staying under the hoop and letting, you know, whoever it was just take shots. So, yeah, there were some uh, – that, that was their strategy, and, they, and it worked. Uh, it wasn't – they weren't hitting the shots that they, you know, usually hit. But UCLA isn't really a great three-point shooting team to begin with. I don't think that's their bread and butter. Um, but Hawkes, I thought they contained him pretty good. And he kind of – I think he's, you know, also one of those players that's up for Pac-12. And Tiger Campbell, I love watching him. I love his mid-range game. He's kind of the kind of the kind of player I like to have on 2K. I love those mid-range, <laughs> love those mid-range guys on 2K. But um, they did a good job of uh, containing him also. And even though it, in against ASU, Tiger Campbell had a great game. Yeah. But yeah, I think. Uh, but then at the end, Arizona, I think that they almost gave it away. I was shocked. I mean, I had kind of stopped paying. I got to admit, admit, Carlos, I was. I kind of stopped paying attention. I was at the game. But I was kind of looking around, celebrating, talking to people, and I look up. It's a four-point lead. I'm like, "What? What just happened?" You know. And Arizona, uh, they UCLA did a great job of pressuring them and, and causing turnovers. And that's the thing. That's the reason we love college basketball because it's never over until it's over. And I mean, UCLA had a chance there right at the end. Uh, if they would hit that three, I mean, they could they could have won that game. Yeah, I, I'm just sad that. It's possible that this could be the last time UCLA could, will play at McHale Center um, yeah. under the Pac-12 umbrella because next year I don't I don't think they're scheduled to come here, um, and I, I would hate that. I just, I love this rivalry, and unlike a lot of Arizona fans, I actually root for UCLA when they're not playing Arizona. Um, I don't root for ASU, but <laughs> UCLA. It's like UCLA is the kind of thing like well when UCLA is good. It's good for the conference when Arizona's good. And it was funny, even yesterday at the end of the game, they were interviewing Tommy Lloyd on the local radio. And, and they were, you know, he was talking about how the, our guy Brian Jeffries was, was saying, you know, Arizona, UCLA, the two flag holders in the West, you know, and your former school, Gonzaga. It was funny how he threw that in. And Tommy Lloyd said, oh, you don't have to say that. And Tommy yeah. Lloyd was like, no, I, I'm an Arizona Wildcat now. So Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's the, uh, you know, I said it, but it's the premier rivalry in the West. And I am also, I, I I love nothing more than when Arizona looks like a juggernaut and UCLA looks like a juggernaut. And we get two months of straight tension between the two fan bases and the teams. And there was a little bit of jawing on Instagram. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw, but like Jalen Clark had mentioned or agreed with something around Kirk Creesa getting dunked on or something on an Instagram post. Uh, you know, he made a comment or what, you know, it's like I things know. like that. Uh, Creesa last year made a comment about Tiger Campbell on, on, I, I can't remember if it was, I think it was Twitter, but uh, yeah, I know that that kind of stuff, um, it, it fires up the fan bases. I guess Twitter can be used for good, but people love to use Twitter for other things too, I guess. <laughs> yeah and it's a it's a it it creates an environment before during and after the game that uh it's fun to watch it, it makes these games matter so much more well looking forward uh for arizona you know they come away with a massive win over what people think or thought was the best team in the pac-12 how do you see arizona season progressing from here and do you think 
Would you say right now that Arizona is the best team in the Pac-12? No, I still think <clears throat> so far UCLA, I would say, is the best team in the Pac-12. I mean, the environment yesterday at McHale Center was really awesome. Um, it's hard to win there, um, you know, especially when the crowd – this was a game that everyone was excited for. Yeah, we go to McHale, we have fun, it's loud, but but not like this kind of game. This game matters. I mean, this um, – especially knowing that, you know, this robbery is around as much as we're hopefully they will do a home and home or whatever. We'll be able to continue playing, but, but no, Arizona, I, I'm still, I mean, I'm very happy with, with the victory, but I'm still concerned just with what's happened the past few weeks. And that's what's happened about with college basketball is it's just week to week. Everything changes. I yeah. Mean, especially Lard, this year. College, every, yeah. You don't know. I mean, in and out, it's like, Four four weeks from now, it could be totally different than now, uh, and that's what's great about the NCAA tournament is a team that can be totally cold can go in and, and win four in a row, and that's the thing that even when Arizona was struggling, yes, it was a concern to me, but to me, it's all about the NCAA tournament as an Arizona fan who hasn't been to the Final Four in you know over twenty years, which is crazy to say. Um, you know, if Arizona doesn't win the Pac-12, yeah, I, I'm. I'm upset, but I'm not like, I'm thinking, okay, well, let's just, let's get to the final four. And yeah. That's, that's what this fan personally, that's all I care. About. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for UCLA fans, I think it's a, I wouldn't say it's backwards. I think they'd much rather also themselves have a final four, but they're eyeing a conference title. their first in 10 years, you know, despite, just, which is crazy to say, despite all the, uh, the great years, these past four years have been, they have yet to win a pac title. So that's certainly on. I do want to add he, one thing about Mick Cronin, though. I want to. I got to give props to Mick Cronin because I know when he was hired, and and Arizona fans, you know, they were like, "Well, Mick Cronin, why did they hire him? You know, they could have done so much better than him." And they went on and on, and it's just he's done an incredible job. Um, you know, it took him to the Final Four, and um, yeah, the, the Bruins haven't won the conference. And yeah, that's still crazy to me, too, to think that yeah. that hasn't happened um, in, in that long. But you guys have been to the Final Four more, more recently than us. So you have that on us. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, I think it's it's good to have Mick Cronin and Tommy Lloyd sort of in the opposite seats. And I and I suspect that those two coaches and the programs have enough respect for each other to say, let's keep this rivalry going. Almost certainly... This will be, you know, uh, they will play every year at least. I wouldn't be shocked if they figured out something to get them. I don't know. Is it crazy to say they get two in a year? It'd be very unprecedented, but I hope so. That would be fun. I mean, get one, get one, Polly, one in Mikhail for old time's sake. Every single year would be would be fantastic. Um, but no, I think it's great to have both Mick Cronin and Tommy Lloyd. I just love. I love both of their personalities and I love how they have very strong identities, right? Tommy Lloyd and Mick Cronin are very strong basketball identities. They're not a Bobby Hurley or an Andy Enfield who will recruit a bunch of talent. And, you know, some years they're really great defensively. Some years they're great offensively and just kind of depends on whatever mishmash of players they get. UCLA and Arizona have identities. You know, Arizona wants Tommy Lloyd wants to run and he has very strong principles about his offenses and his defenses. And Mick Cronin is very similar and, it's fun watching them go at it. Um, so I'm. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. Did you have fun watching that game? I I, I had a blast. But uh, did you enjoy oh, yeah. watching those two go at it? Oh, it was great. I I have season tickets, but I was able to go. I sat. I and I sit really in the nosebleeds. I sit up next to where the Jason Terry uh, jersey retired is, 
retirement. And, um, but I was able to move up. A friend of mine gave me their tickets. They couldn't go. They were, they were ill. So, but I got to sit in like row 20 and I, I, I actually, you'll like this. The, the best game I've ever been to at McHale was when I was probably like 12 years old. <clears throat> UCLA was, uh, came in. We had like a 71 game winning streak at McHale. Don McLean, Derek Martin, those guys. And we, you know, both, it was like this year, like both teams were just juggernauts, top 10 teams. You know, it's Lute Olsen against Jim Herrick. And you guys took out, took us out and won at the at nearly the buzzer. Derek Martin had a jumper over Damon Stoudemire to win. But that game, that atmosphere, it was just back and forth. It was such a great college basketball game. And that's probably the best game I've ever been to at McHale. And I've been to, you know, tons of games at McHale. So, um, so I ultimately have a lot of respect for UCLA. You know, and I know Lute Olson did too because you know John Wooden was uh, a mentor of his, and you know he used to uh, hang out with John Wooden when he lived in California, and you know he he would go to his clinics, and so in a way it's like it's in a way the DNA of Arizona basketball comes from UCLA basketball. Yeah, love that lineage and love that connection. They uh, they they certainly are two fun programs to watch. Well, thank you so much for uh, Brad for coming on to talk with us about UCLA and Arizona and Arizona is sort of looking forward. Uh, it was a great game and I think it's going to be, I think it's uh, going to be similarly rowdy and, uh, and hyped come March 4th when the two get together in Poly Pavilion. Yeah. Well, are you going to get to go to that one, Carlos? You're insane. You know right? Yeah. You know, I am actually, we just made plans. Uh, my wife is a, is actually a huge Warriors fans and they're, Warriors fan and she's uh, uh, she she recognized that the, they're coming into town to play the Lakers the same weekend that UCLA hosts oh, Arizona. That'll be fun. So it's gonna be a big sports weekend. Yeah, it'll be a really it'll be a blast. I'm I'm excited to go. It's a you know UCLA Arizona is just it's it's magical. It's just a different environment. You know the the two fan bases recognize it, the two teams recognize it. It's great. So I'm excited to go. Well, I went to Poly Pavilion one time. I think it was when Eric, we were like 20 and 0. It was like 2015. And I, I loved it because I got to see John Wooden's office. They have like his office set up there, or they used to, um, or his living room and at the museum. And I remember, I knew it was a big deal at being in LA because Flea did the national anthem. <laughs> yeah, Flea's always around doing something. That's uh, that's kind of his thing. All right, well, thank you so much, for Brad, for coming around. Uh, you can find Brad on Twitter, on Instagram, at Bear Down Bias, and check out the Bear Down Bias podcast for for Arizona basketball insight. They're great. They're fun. Him and uh, Stephen Robles get together, talk. The episodes are really concise and uh, and really well done. So thanks for all your great work, and thanks for coming on. Thank you, Carlos, and you hang in there. I'm sorry that your team's leaving conference, but <laughs> <laughs> Quiet city street Things aren't always green or on the 